Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the second edition of the all-new, all-shiny spin-off show uh, from the Dude and the Monkey universe, uh, the Damn You. Uh, this is the <laughs> second monthly, roughly, uh, podcast, which is the Dude and a Monkey and a Mank presents Paying It Forward, or Playing It Forward, should I say. Um, if you missed the first uh, episode, where the fuck were you? Um, uh, but basically, the the overview is each month we all three of us, myself, Mark, and Ian, who I'm joined by today, I'll say hello, gentlemen. Hi, hello. Uh, each month, myself, Mark, and Ian will select one movie for the other person um, in a sort of round uh, a round table discussion. Um, so I'll pick a movie for, let's say, for example, Mark, and he'll uh, talk about it. He'll pick a movie for Ian, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the way we did this and the way we came up with this is uh, it was after the John Carpenter gig that we all kind of sat around and Ian admitted that he hadn't seen The Fugitive. Mark decided to gift him um, that movie on iTunes, and we thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if we could each gift each other a movie on iTunes every month? and then talk about it so the idea is is we're gifting uh, a digital movie to one another that we feel the uh, the other person will get something out of so that's roughly it i'm about i'm about right there did i explain that yeah. correctly yeah. yeah yeah so last time um i sent mark pompey and i think that was kind of a thumbs up wasn't it pompey absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah um mark you sent Ian, The Fugitive, yeah, again, that was a the thumbs up, and Ian sent me Tell No One, uh, which I think was kind of a sort of tentative tells up, uh, tentative thumbs up, so uh, issues around the ending that I kind yes. of had. Um, so yeah, this time around, uh, shall we just sort of say what the movies are as we go around? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So this time around, Ian bought something for mark mark bought something for me i bought something for ian um so i'm gonna start it off by handing off to ian uh the movie that i chose for ian um was a film from 2007 was it 2009 was it 2009 2009 yeah um a movie called tony uh, or to give it its full title tony london serial killer um, it's a movie that I saw at a film festival, and the reason that I picked it for for Ian is it it kind of I was it kind of reminds me of a time. I'm intrigued by this. Yeah, well, it it kind of reminds me of a time when I think we were all a little bit more optimistic about horror movies and festival horror movies. Hmm. Uh, I think 2009 through to say 2012, 13 well, maybe 2012, I think we were all very optimistic about the types of movies that you could potentially turn up at a a horror movie festival. Um, And I remember always feeling that, you know, you could there was always the possibility that you could turn up an absolute diamond. Um, And I saw Tony at Grim Up North in the first year of Grim Up North, actually, um, which would have been 2010. Um, and I saw it, and the uh, producer Paul Abbott, who's also a, a, a big writer for TV and film in the UK, um, he was there, and he kind of talked about it. The lead actor uh, who plays the lead role, he was there, sort of talking about it. 
And it was just, I remember it being a film that really knocked me sideways a little bit, just uh, for reasons that we'll get into. Um, and it reminded me of a time, uh, like I say, when I think myself and Ian still loved horror movies and horror movie festivals before we came, became all uh, bitter and twisted uh, about those things. So, yeah, Tony from 2009. Uh, Ian, what did you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting, um, like horror, the many different forms it takes. Because like last night, I saw a cure for wellness, which is like a forty million dollar euro horror thing, which looks phenomenal. Um, at, but like, it has kind of like very campy horror stuff to it. Here. You've got one of the grubbiest films I think I've ever seen, and that's not that's not a complaint, and that's not um, dismissing it. It is incredibly uh, it, it, uh, uh, visceral. Um, you feel like you need a shower after watching it, and um, yeah, I. I, 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 yeah, I was intrigued as to as to why you you got this for me. Even though it, then again, the uh, the thing that I got for you next month, you might be asking the same same thing actually. So um, yeah, yeah uh, but I, re- I I liked it, man. I mean, like I'm not going to say I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to say I loved it, uh, but I I liked it. It's the ending. I mean, all spoilers all the time. Um, the ending of the film. I, I was kind of impressed by it, even though yeah. it kind of felt like, right, you're only an hour and 12 minutes long. Maybe, maybe something else could could happen. Like, I yeah. like the way that it builds up to nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and it, it kind of makes it... The, I, I thought the, the kind of the end credits were great, where it is just Tony walking around, obviously mm. just being filmed behind him and whatnot and like around a lot of like the haunts that we'd go to at fright fest yeah um, like weirdly enough like out right outside the empire and leicester square and kind of in chinatown and up uh, like piccadilly circus and whatnot um and, and yeah the, See, the way sorry go on go on i was just gonna say that's the thing i remember taking away from it i did i rewatched it again last night um, and I'll agree with you. I think when I first saw it, I was a much more optimistic person. I was much more ready to to, to fall in love with with horror movie festival mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. And I think I watched it again last night. I don't think I I, th- I think if I saw that for the first time now, it wouldn't have had the same impact on me. And I still really really liked it, but I think it had less of an impact on me. But the 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 key thing that I took away from it last time was that ending. I loved that ending. I loved the notion that it just kind of set this guy up, showed you this this horrible, um, you know, grimy sort of world and this horrible man, and just sort of then, you know, after it showed you who he is and showed you what he is, it just then sort of sits back and, and sort of says, and he's still out there, yeah. sort of thing, and just sort of leaves you with that sort of, it's it's almost like it's saying there are people that are out there like that. You know, that there is no resolution here. This he, He's not caught for one of these things that you've seen him do. He doesn't have a crisis of, of guilt and throw himself off a bridge. It just, he's out there. He's out there right now. So, and, and I, I, I really appreciated that about the ending at the time, I think. And, oh, and no, still. And no, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 weirdly, the thing that threw me out of it was primarily the scene where he kills the TV license guy 
that TV mm. license guy should have easily been able to see that he didn't have an aerial connection there and wouldn't have been able mm. to watch broadcast TV anyway and should have just fucked off. My my major problem with the last act of this film is the realism of the TV license guy's <laughs> procedure. Um, see, I didn't I didn't say it that though because I kind of uh, this isn't me spinning, I promise. But uh, the, I kind of saw that as the TV license guy is just a bit of a dick, and he thinks this Tony guy is a bit stupid, and he's gonna stick a fine on him anyway. We well, think is well, you, you don't. He act- tries to take his fucking TV. You, you, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. We, the thing is, you don't actually need to have uh, an aerial point um, to, 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 to let's see if you've actually got a physical TV in your house. I thought it was like if you had a TV in your house and you could prove what a tangent, and you could prove that you could, you could not get broadcast TV. It's mm. very difficult to prove. No, it is because the thing is as well is I think that was they could say you could have a detachable aerial. Yeah, I think that was a portable TV. I would have preferred it if there was a line saying, do you have a portable aerial in the house? Well, actually, I do. Okay, I'm going to confiscate you. I can absolutely see your point in in the fact that it's something so finicky, but it it kind of matters sometimes. Yeah, no, no, sure. But I mean, I love that Tony's reaction is, right, he doesn't say it, but it's basically, right, fuck this. No, (laughs) I I want my videos. Bang. Mm. I mean, it's kind of, there's... There's a kind of a, 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 a weird primal glee about that that I think only would have been matched if he killed the job centre guy. Like, that, the, the job centre guy, uh, Neil Maskell from Kill List, mm. what a fucking little role that is. Just, mm. like... Did, did, mean, you not, uh, did, did you not find a, a little bit during it you were thinking, is he going to kill this guy? Is he going to kill this guy? Is he going to this guy and all the guys that he actually kills are the ones where you think are oh, you gonna kill this guy <laughs> well yeah no i mean that, that i mean he just he, he doesn't do it out outside of his home like i was no. the, the one time that did come up was when that uh that the woman from upstairs come um he came down and comes in for a for a plaster and yeah. i was like where's where is this going then but it's a good little bit of filmmaking that though the way that um like it drowns out what she's um saying and what he's saying and but then the look on her face is kind of changing and then it just mm. kind of like cuts back in with like see you later dawn or something like something like that and you you don't know what really kind of happened there but mm. she was sufficiently creeped out by whatever it was that he was saying i you know i i i, I thought that was good um I mean, no. I, I mean, Mark. The the fact that he quoted First Blood must have been utterly oh, to you. Yeah, because I was, I was already quite interested in it as as it was going on. I thought this is. I, I'm I'm liking this. It's got it's got, and it, I think you said it, Ian. Um, on the what is it? Uh, on the WhatsApp, you said that it, it's grim, and it does have a very a, a grim and grimy kind of feel to it. Um, and. I'll be honest, the fact that it was like that, and I thought, right, this is it's 70 odd minutes long. What is it, 76 minutes, 72 minutes long? 72, 72 minutes long, I think. Yeah. 72 minutes long. Uh, I thought, right, this is going to get in, get shit done, and get the fuck out before it has a chance to 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 get to up itself. And the performances were taking over nicely, it was going nicely. And then I was watching it, and then all of a sudden he started saying it, and I thought, ha. Huh. Is he about to? And he did. It was a full um, first blood quote. And I was like, "Yeah, you've got me. I'm, I'm, I'm well in." I also like the fact that it's what 
because the film clearly is influenced by certain films, but mm. it's not then um, outwardly referencing those films. It would have been quite easy, I think. You know, the, the fact that Tony's got a bit of an obsession with 80s films, it's 80s action films he's going mm. on about. He's not going on about watching um, Maniac and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Taxi Driver, which are clearly sort of big influences on the, the aesthetic and the tone and the, the kind of feel of the film. He's got a liking for the film films of you know Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and Steven Seagal and and those so it, it kind of it, it's it's showing you one thing while at the same time it's being another thing which is a really it's a really cool quirk it would have been easy for him to have to, you know sort of there to have been you know him sat there watching Henry Potter the serial killer as we're watching this movie going yes we get it it's very heavily influenced by Henry Potter the serial killer Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, there I were there were a couple of other references in there as well. That are quite uh, a couple of movies. That he, I meant to write them down, but there was a couple of movies that he mentioned that yeah. were really kind of off the wall movies that I've that I feel like I've written about or something, and I was just a bit sort of like, oh, right, fucking hell, that, oh, that's cool. nobody's going to get that. That's 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 great. Yeah. There was there was another. Um, I think there was another quote. Um, during it when I thought I'm sure that's from something and I wish I knew what it was from mm. <laughs> and I can't know what it was but there was another one where he said something I thought that's from something I'm sure that is it helps with the sort of the, the seediness of it as well just the fact mm. that he's sort of you know he's making reference to movies that feel I mean they're not but that there's an element of like oh he only watches certain types of movies and they're not sort of mainstream action movies. They're a little bit, they're a little bit off the wall. It makes him seem a little bit. I realised shouldn't be saying this, but it makes him seem a little bit weirder. Um, and it helps because even the people. One thing that I really appreciate about this actually is even the people that he's killing really are kind of they're not nice people. Like the you know that there's there's something about the people that he's that he's killing as well. It's just a horrible world. It's like a horrible, seedy, gross world filled with horrible people and, and you know, he can lock them in his cupboard and, and chop them up and stuff like that and it's no skin off anyone's nose. No, I mean, kind that's of- the thing. They're not, they're not like anybody who are, who, who are really missed, are they? I mean, you, yeah. you even get the sense of the TV license guy. No one's really going to be asking around after him. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I mean, I got... Quite, quite the the vibe of Taxi Driver to the whole thing. To be honest, yes, yeah. the uh, yeah. it, it well, does it, kind of feel like if he had a bit more of an education or was a bit more socially aware, he would be like talking about the the scum on the streets, and he would mm. like would wish uh, rain would come and wipe the scum off. You know, like well, it, you've, you've, yeah, you've, you've you've even got the, the scene of him going to a prostitute just to have a cuddle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a moment of him sort of in the uh, in a sort of gay bar as well, and and even that gay bar is like, you know, there are certain gay bars on Canal Street, and I I know what type of gay bar that is. Like that's the seedy one where the people who, like, you know, that's the really grim one. I could point you to a 
uh, a similar one on Canal Street is exactly the same. But there's a moment where he's sort of in there and he's sat there and he's just looking out. And it just it feels, it's like you say, it just, it, you can feel the, the grime on the back of your neck while you're watching it. It's, mm-hmm. it's horrible. Uh, but I mean, it is it is impressive, though, isn't it? I mean, it's Gerard it, it, John, Johnson who did um, Hyena um, a year or two back, and it's I think Hyena is more impressive on a on a filmmaking level, on a storytelling level as and, well. And, and, yeah, and on a narrative level, yeah, absolutely. But this has got an authenticity about it, which I mean, Hyena also has, but this is. Grim, even more grim, and Hyena's not a not a ray of sunshine kind of film, I don't think. Um, that, but I, I, yeah, like I say, I just wanted to have a bath afterwards. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I mean, I watched it like pretty much in the middle of the day, um, and it, yeah, we like weirded me out quite sufficiently. So, uh, thank you so much, Noel. Excellent. That's exactly the response that I wanted. So that's good. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was very impressed with it. Um, I the, the weird thing is, I, I I decided that it was it was two forty nine to rent, and I thought, hang on a minute, it's two forty nine to rent, or it's five ninety nine to own. I did exactly the same maths, <laughs> and I thought, do you know what? It's like it's a couple of quid to own it, mm. so I bought it instead. And I thought after I thought, do you know what? I'm probably not definitely, but I'm probably. I'm not thinking I'm ever going to watch it again, but I might in a few years' time. Mm. But I'm glad I own it. In a yeah. way, I, it's yeah. strangely, I'm glad I own it because if I want to watch it, I can watch it. But it is the sort of thing where I've, you'd have to be in a real certain mood yeah. to watch that movie. Yeah. Um, so, but I am glad. I'm glad I own it. And I, I was mentioning to to Noel that. Um, Joe Johnson's next movie is uh, a movie about Griselda Blanco, uh, starring Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, that hit, the way that that is, that Tony is and Hyena is, that telling that story is going to be. I'm really quite excited about what, this movie now. What 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 is that? Because I was I was in the cinema when you were you were talking about um, that on WhatsApp, and the, the time kind of passed me by. Uh, Griselda Blanco was part of the uh, Medellin. Um, cartel uh, oh, and shit. she was um she essentially was one of um was very high up in the Medellin cartel uh, and where you had in uh, colombia um in Medellin you had um escobar there uh, and then in miami she was essentially the miami base of the um, of the cartel, so she ran the drugs through Miami, um, and had a passion for uh, essentially anyone stepping on her toes. She just killed off, <laughs> uh, and was at one point, I think, by the FBI, I think she was under investigation for personally not just being involved in, but actually personally committing up to I think fifty murders that they could work out that she was. Had actually committed herself that they were investigating for, uh, and then they 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 reckon that it could be she bragged previously that she'd killed hundreds of people herself. Um, so and you know it, it's a it's a proper budget on that. You've got um, I say Catherine Zeta Jones is playing uh, Griselda Blanco. Uh, of course, John uh, Leguizamo's in it, but you've also got like Olivia 
Roberto Martinez. Uh, Jordi Mola is, is returning. Uh, I think he's reprising um, the same character um, that he played in Blow. But the character he played in Blow is actually two mm. people put together. Uh, he's actually reprising the one person it's actually based on, which his name escapes me at the moment. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's a good cast uh, that's, that's, that's in that. And there's, there's clearly sort of some money behind it. So that's going to be really interesting. It's cool to see him sort of getting a, getting a gig that, that is, um, that could have gone to somebody else that he's kind of taken on. So clearly people have been impressed by, by Tony and Hyena. And you can totally see why, to be honest, because they're both, there's definitely something about them. I want to be a fly on the wall on Catherine Zeta-Jones watching Tony. Yeah, she's the sort of thing where you can imagine that she, she, she'd love it, but not quite understand why she loves it. Well, she's a she's a, a more interesting option than in August, 10, in August uh, 2016, August last year, it was announced that um, Jennifer Lopez was going to play Griselda Blanco in a TV movie. Oh, um, God, yeah, that's so, so I more don't, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that has this was for hbo but i don't know if that has developed into this or if the they were just two separate projects that what i think have happened there is hbo looked at that and gone do you know what we're gonna look like we're just trying to fucking rip off narcos we're not gonna bother yeah yeah whereas making a film out of it's quite a lot different yeah but that woman was um this griselda she was pre uh pablo wasn't she she uh, she she was before uh, pablo yeah uh, and uh, they i think they crossed paths ever so slightly yeah okay yeah well i'm interested definitely mm-hmm. um uh, shall i so if that was well, yeah so is it to wrap up then is it something that you would recommend because i think that's kind of what we what we're doing here is recommending movies so is it something that you would recommend if you're listening to this podcast give it a go but don't yeah. recommend it to your mum yeah that that's it i i won't be recommending it to to many kind of um non kind of genre yeah. pick fans but if you're a, if you're a fan of genre cinema or anything like that i, I think it's, it's an absolute recommend uh that's exactly what i'd say and i think that you know the 72 minute runtime is Hell. is a is a is a thing in there as well where you can just go look it's only gonna it's not gonna take up too much of your life this so mm-hmm. give it a go and you'll either I, I don't know if you're a genre film fan i can't see you not getting on with this type of thing really no i i, I the thing is genre cinema of of this ilk shouldn't be more than 92 minutes long and the fact this is 72 minutes long I think shows I don't don't think that's not a budget constraint I think it's just I only need 72 minutes to tell this fucking story there you go it was based on a short film as well it was only 14 minutes long so there you go yeah Excellent. So uh, that sounds like it, it went down well. So, yep, nice Ian, do you want to hand over to Mark? Yeah, so uh, this is a change, of course. Um, so Sundance hits are something that I come to with extreme trepidation, and especially ones that get bought up by a major distributor uh, just basically looking for awards. And that's what happened with... Um, uh, Alfonso Gomez Rion, uh, I, 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 that's my go at his name. Uh, um, yeah, I think he's spot on there, mate. Oh, cracking! Thank you. Um, so yeah, Fox bought his Sundance hit, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. 
came out in I think the August of that year in the US and died a death at the box office. Um, and it kind of already feels like it's it's been a bit forgotten, uh, except for the dying girl of the title, Olivia Cook, uh, is now the female lead in Ready Player One, the uh, Steven Spielberg film. So she's a bit of an up and comer. Um, I watched this. Also, I did. Um, Claire, uh, he's going to be in Power Rangers, I think. Is he? Oh, okay, fair enough. All right, oh, cool. yeah. Okay, that's that's okay. Cool, that's good. Um, so yeah, I, I I came to this like not really knowing what to expect, but I had a I had a really good time with it first time round. I do I do have issues with it, and I'm very intrigued to see if if you guys are on a similar wavelength with with them. Um, but I I very much like the aesthetic of it. I it is slightly Wes Anderson e almost meeting Michelle Gondry uh, mm-hmm. with the almost kind of like mm-hmm. sweeding the films, which does sound like it could be intensely annoying, and maybe it is for you guys. I've got no idea what you thought about it, but I actually just thought it was quite funny, um, especially when you also have Nick Offerman in there doing his Nick Offerman thing, um, but not too much of it. It's just enough where it I, I was left wanting more. Um, but the the central relationships in the film, I think, work. Um, there are scenes in there which get me in the feels, I suppose you could say. Um, but yeah, I I still very much like it. Two viewings in, but um, I got it for Mark. Frankly, because I didn't have a clue how he was going to react to it, but I was interested in his reaction. Mark, what did you think? <laughs> I well for the first ten minutes uh, of it, I was thinking, "What the fuck has he got me? Why has he got me something that? Why has he got me something that already I am wanting to pull one of my fucking eyes out at?" Um, it's the, the the, I must admit, it, just to just to jump in there, that opening, um, the opening minute with the animation, yeah. I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> I was like, it, it was. Fuck me I actually paused it and went oh fuck he's an hour and fucking 52 <laughs> minutes of this um, and then it once it gets itself going and it, it, it calms down a little bit I, I, I'll be honest I could have done without the stop animation throughout the entire movie uh, it, it, it irked me it was a bit like like you say um I'm not a fan of Wes Anderson movies, so it was a bit mm-hmm. too Wes Anderson movie thing. And it was a bit like, do you know what? Every time you do that, you take me out of it. And I, I'm enjoying... I, and once I got to the point of I was enjoying being in it, I felt like it was pulling me out of it too much. Um, my my defence of that is that it is, it, it is all told from the viewpoint of a kid who is growing up on the, these kind of arty films... And it, yep. for me, it kind of feels like this is how he views his life. Well, yeah, and, I, and I, I can see that. And I was kind of thinking at the point at, the, at that point, I was thinking, "Hang on a minute, this is this is a, a this is a film being written and made um, by a, a guy in his I think he's in his mid thirties, um, early forties." I was thinking, you're, what you're doing is you're projecting the way that you do things, that you, that you view things onto a uh, like an 18-year-old kid. And then I started thinking, 
hang on a minute though. The weird thing is there is I had a Mean Streets poster and a Taxi Driver poster. And really fucking weirdly, I had a 400 Blows poster on my walls when I was about 17. You are Greg. So... And did you also so used to make? Like, did you also used to make movies using nothing but sellotape, cotton wool, and string? If, if, if I had the mental dexterity to do so, I probably would have. Had iPhones been around then, yes. Um, so I was thinking, do you know what? No, it, it, it isn't. It's there are kids out there like that. I was watching Werner Herzog films at that age and was being that kind of douchebaggy kid that, that he is. Um, so once the film kind of settled into itself and sort of started finding its rhythm, um, I actually kind of started to to quite enjoy it. It's, it's the weird thing of, you know, there will be uh, kids out there who are interested in film who are watching these films because they can get them quite easily now. You know, when I was, when we were around that age, it, you know, it was hard to come by these films. You had to actively, actively search them out. Um, there wasn't YouTube. You know, we, you'd have to hope that there was at your local video store that they had a little world cinema thing or that you had a guy who worked there that would give you these, you know, that say, oh, you like that? Well, watch this and watch this and fucking, oh, you like that? You, there you go. So, it, it, you build your interactions and you tailor your interactions to, to the person that you want to become when you're that age. And he, he sort of wants to become the person who watches foreign cinema and takes from that. Uh, Earl just seems to be kind of along for the ride of, well, yeah, that's fine. You get the feeling that Earl watches these things and does these things when he's with um, Greg. But when he's not with Greg, he, he does the normal things that the, a kid would do. He's, he, listening to hip-hop and watching whatever but it's you've got that juxtaposition of these two people of greg's kind of decided that he's socially awkward but kind of isn't he's just quite normal um i like the way earl basically just fucking chews him out about stuff and he's just your archetypal kid uh, just says you know when he's he went round to see uh, Rachel for the first time. It's like, did you get on those ditties? He's like, no, he said, you should get on those ditties. And it's almost like he's doing it just to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, like Earl's interactions with Rachel, to be honest, I kind of thought it was going down a road that like they were going to start having a thing or something. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was coming. I, I, I thought that. I, I think had she not... Uh, I, 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 I don't think there's ever any... I think the film is at pains to say... There's no real romanticism between Greg and Rachel. They are, they do just seem, they're just friends. Yeah. Whereas I think that had it been Mia and the dying girl that didn't die, it maybe would have been Earl that she would have ended up with. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that would have been Greg and have been and have seen a problem with that or would have felt shunned. I, just, I don't think he he doesn't ever seem to see Rachel as that. They're just really, really good friends, and it's. He's struggling to sort of get behind what's going on. Um, it's like you say, as the film starts to go, there is some really quite emotional low points, I'd say, within it, where it does start to kick you a little bit. Oh, there's some there's some raw shit in here, man. I mean, like, don't, don't, 
the scene where she tells Greg that she's going to stop the treatment, and it's the like static shot of, mm. of them, like mm. the, the the two sides of of, of the frame, um, it, and it, it just like there's the, the film's quite heavy with the the moving the camera through most yeah. of it, but that one it remains still, and it, it's obvious, but it works. Um, and I, I mean, but I think that's through the strength of the performances as well. I mean, Olivia Cook is very, very good in this. Um, I, I, I think they're all very good, to be honest. Yeah, no, they, they, yeah, no, totally, they are. But like, just the the way that she, you know, how do you get into the headspace of a girl who's got to like pretty much terminal cancer? How do you get into that headspace? It must be virtually impossible. And yet, she just seems like she has reach that point where she's given up it's just like, like it's just there's it's no use anymore and, she's, and, and she's from around corner from young, well, it's really impressive yeah she's, she's from your way now is olivia Cook. what is she yeah she's from she's from Oldham. oh really oh yeah, yeah. barney Art, yeah well yeah it's, so yeah I, she, she just she nails the americanness of everything and yeah the, I, I totally thought she was american i would not have, it, it, yeah. it's it's not what I did enjoy about it once, if you take away from the stop animation that crops up in it, it's it's not overtly quirky uh, in sense. Once it starts to tell its story, it's just kind I of didn't telling find that stuff story. that intrusive. You know, I didn't, I didn't get, I don't like that type of thing. I don't get on with that type of thing. I was very worried and concerned about that. But looking back on the film, it didn't feel that didn't feel particularly intrusive to me, really. I mean, what? Sorry, I'm just wondering what Noel actually thought of the film. But Mark, if yeah, you want to, yeah. sorry, no, I, 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 I was just about to say the same thing. To be honest, yeah, no, I, I did really like it. I think um, th- there's a couple of aesthetic things that I I wasn't crazy about. Obviously, the sort of Gondry sellotape, cotton wool, and string stuff we've mentioned is is not something that I get on with typically. But like I say. I think once the film got going and I, I got on board with the characters, it didn't feel that stuff didn't feel intrusive. Um, one thing that I did like, sort of aesthetically and tonally, was the overall um, setup of it. So that sort of it reminded me a little bit in parts of uh, early parts of like Rules of Attraction. That sort of um, you know, this is the high school and this is how I operate within this high school and showing what different people are. I really like mm. the thing of, the, um, what's his name, Greg. Greg's thing about sort of how he deals with life in high school and, and how he's got this sort of surface level uh, operating where he can kind of, he's, he's friends with everyone. Mark, you sort of said, um, you know, you were like Greg in school for, for reasons of the types of things you like. I feel like I kind of got a bit of that as well. I felt like I was a lot like him in school, not mm. necessarily because of the film stuff, more because of I had, I used humor quite a lot in school to uh, get along with everybody. Like I was quite, I got on, I didn't hang around with the bad kids, but they thought I was funny. So I got by and, and, you know, I seemed to just get on with everybody just by making them laugh sort of thing. So it, there was an element of that. I really enjoyed that side of him and, and how that, um, you know, how that wall that he's built for himself or how that aesthetic, that, um, I don't know what the word is, the, you know, how that uh, persona that he's bought, that he's built for himself starts to sort of crumble when there's, when real emotion and real, you know, and death sort of comes knocking on the door of it all. Um, 
something as serious as, as leukemia sort of comes and, and he has he's forced literally to kind of confront this real world stuff it's not in just it's not movies it's not sort of uh, senseless and pointless conversations with people just to just to keep the peace this is a real unavoidable thing that he's faced with that he's going to have to deal with and it's sort of the knock-on effect of that is it sort of crumbles all the, the surface level stuff around him um so i enjoyed all that i think it 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 wandered off that stuff a little bit when it got into the cancer stuff, which is absolutely fine. That's the point of the film, but it did come back to it as well with the, um, the hot, the hot girl character who kind of creeps up later on. And he just sort of confronts her and he's like, fuck you. What is this about? Why are you putting your hand on me? Just like, fuck you. Um, so I really enjoyed all that. Uh, there, there's definitely a couple of sort of gut punch moments in it. I think the, the um the young cast handle it brilliantly olivia cook was brilliant um thomas mann who played greg i thought was great but honestly the mvp had to be earl for me yeah, <laughs> yeah. i agree first, with that yeah the first 30 minutes i was fucking really enjoying him um nick offerman i can i can take or leave that guy but he, he did sort of contribute in here and the other one i can't believe we've not mentioned him is uh john bernthal Oh, he's fantastic, uh, isn't he? Mate, how much did you want him to be your teacher? I love the little... I thought the, the whole them getting stoned thing. Yeah. yeah. But, it was great. But it's then the best bit of it is the reaction of where he basically calls them out about it. And they go, you know, we had that. And then they go, it's like, it's like what? Do you have anything else? It's like, oh, yeah. God, we yeah, had the cookies that the, that the drug dealer gave us. <laughs> But the yeah. thing and is, the that, because that's John Pernfall was like the coolest teacher. You, you just assume that he had he had fucking what oh, yeah. he did his fucking flask, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, sorry, no, Mark, overall, sorry, overall, sorry. definitely, really, really enjoyed it myself. It was, um, yeah, the, the 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 couple of things that bothered me about it sort of fell into the background as the film went on. So, uh, so that was good. Yeah, I, I mean. Is that, same and and do you know what I'm, I'm very glad that he got me because I, I probably would never have got to it it would have been one of those things where I, where I would have gone I'll watch it I'll watch it I'll watch it and then three or four years time it'll have passed and it'll have been do you know what I don't need to watch it now mm. um, also well the Hugh Jackman bit was was entertaining yeah was that Hugh Jackman's voice it was Hugh Jackman yeah it was okay good yeah. Um, so yeah so I'm, 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 but I'm really going to watch that it was, it was a solid um Solid four-star movie for me. You know, there's nice. there's a lot there, and to be honest, I could see myself watching it again. And, I think um, it's the type. I think just to touch on what you said there as well, I would never have watched it, but I think that's probably because it feels like the type of film that you think you know what it is, so you just go, "Oh yeah, I know." And what it's not, is. no, it, it, and it it's, is a, it's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, it's it, it is. There's 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 definitely something there. I was I was I was very intrigued and impressed, and I enjoyed my time with it thoroughly. Nice and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, man. I mean, the uh, the director he also directed the down the town that dreaded sundown remake, and he's he, apparently he's done some American horror story and stuff as well. But yeah, he, he seems like a proper cinephile because the the town that dreaded sundown remake has got some interesting stuff going on within. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, as I say, it's quite a bit. It, it, it's it's 
it's not a terrible film by any stretch no, of imagination. No, no, it's 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 way more interesting than you'd give it credit for. It's not amazing, but there's there's yeah. I mean, I watched it on Netflix and I was really pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, brilliant. I'm glad you guys liked it. I I was slightly concerned, but I think it like I don't know. Just its overall actual quality, I think, shines through. So cracking, nice one. Excellent. So you'd recommend it then, Mark, to people? Absolutely, yeah. I, 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 I'd absolutely recommend it to, to, to many people. To be honest, I don't. I think it's one that I don't think it needs to be somebody who will appreciate the film it references or the films that are that are in it. I, I think you could you could definitely get stuff from it as a, just a general sort of uh, film watching level. Certainly, yeah. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it as kind of, this is going to sound like a funny thing to say, actually, but I think I'd kind of recommend it as as a a couple's watch like it's the type of thing that i think anybody could enjoy but also if you are looking for something a bit deeper there's something deeper there so i'd kind of say you know if you're stuck in with if you're stuck in with your missus one night and you want to watch film and you don't know i it's, it you know there's a bit of sadness in there there's a bit of like positivity in there there's but there's it's actually quite a sort of pleasant film at the same time it's being that it's about a girl who dies from cancer at a young age, you know, it does feel sort of positive in a way. Does that make sense? Or I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a different take on the sort of coming of age. It, it, it's a coming of age drama that, that kind of throws in uh, consequences, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even, again, with unwrapped up endings, this has got one as well where you kind of feel like it's building up to a he's going to get accepted into college, it's going to be fine, and you never find out. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay, I, magnificent. That sounds like another another hit then. I really need a, really quickly need a wee if that's okay. Go for it, yeah. Right, so moving on from Ian's pick for Mark, um, we are on to Mark's pick for me. So, Mark, would you like to, uh, to set the scene? Yeah, I, I picked um, the uh, Alex Andrew Smith um, movie from 2002, uh, The Slaughter Rule. Uh, it's a very early Ryan Gosling movie um, before you know he became before the Notebook uh, and Drive kind of catapulted him to to more of the uh, to a more recognisable face. Uh, it also has uh, Claire Duval who was. In a lot around sort of this era, um, she was, you know, she's so hot right then. Uh, um, we also got um, uh, David Moss, who is a fantastic character actor, and he, he crops up a lot. And he's usually, um, he's usually sort of one of the um, supporting uh, roles within things. So it's nice to see him getting a little bit more of a major role in a film here, yeah, uh, which is pretty. It's the reason why I, I picked it is because it was just to get a few more people watching it. It's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a hard sell, I think, Slaughter Rule. It never had a proper release in the UK. Uh, I actually saw it on, I got it on Region 1 um, DVD, uh, imported on from Amazon.com rather than Amazon.co.uk, um, just because I wanted to I wanted to see it. Um, and then I noticed it was on... Um, iTunes, and I thought, you know what? I think more people should 
watch this. Um, not because it's a, it's a five star movie or anything like that, but just because it's 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 an interesting movie and it's it shows Ryan Gosling at the start of his career um, that he very early on had the the acting shops that we are now kind of seeing the fruits of. But it's a uh, he was a very different actor um, back then when he was doing things like this. And uh, have either of you guys seen The Believer? No, 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 not yet. Oh, there we go. There's a fucking another one for me to pick for you guys at some point. Um, yeah, so it was, I got, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a fucking full Gosling hipster uh, mode now and say I, I was kind of on the Ryan Gosling fucking train from The Believer, which was released in 2001. Um and he's 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 very good that he plays a uh, a Jewish um, member of the uh, KKK, uh, which is quite interesting. But uh, yeah, so the reason why I chose it was just because I thought it's it's the kind of coming of age drama that's not kind of set around high school. It's set around something a little bit different, uh, and I sort of thought it's a good idea for. To get the people actually watching this and maybe get a few more people uh, interested in it uh, and sort of I thought it made quite a decent discussion so Ian uh, I was thinking no what did you think well went into it knowing absolutely nothing um, when you mentioned it um, on the last show or after the last show that you were gonna gonna be sending it me I knew nothing about it I'd never heard of it uh, not familiar with it at all didn't know it was it was an early Ryan Gosling movie uh, Ryan Gosling is an actor that I, I do enjoy in a lot of things. I think, as you say, he's a very different actor in this. He seems to have developed a certain style in the last uh, few years that's kind of stuck with him now. And, and as you say, this is obviously him very early on, but he's, he's obviously uh, still very good. So I knew I knew nothing about it going in. Um, I absolutely loved it. Really, really, oh, really liked it. Um, and... I really liked it when I watched it, and then I feel like in the last 24 hours, I like it even more. Um, just, you know, having to think about it more and go back and go, all right, well, what was it that I actually did like about that? I feel like I've, I've you know, I've gotten an awful lot more by thinking about it. Um, I watched it because just the way things, I'm just things are hectic at the moment, and I, I, I managed to watch it in three settings two of which were on the train. Um, and despite that, I still, uh, I, I, you know, that can be quite uh, a difficult way to watch things and get the full impact of, of things. But despite that, I, I still really loved it. Um, so when, when I sort of went into it, the first sort of third of it that I watched on the train, um, I was on board straight away because I thought I knew what type of film it was. Um, it starts out, it starts out in a certain in a certain way that you feel like you know which way it's going to go. You think it's going to be the typical sort of you know varsity blues sort of typical college sports movie kind of thing. A young man who gets cut from the team because he's not quite got the spirit, and then somebody who comes to him and sort of sees something in him and, and pulls him into a type of football that's kind of seen as lesser. And oh, it's not college football. This is something that's a bit grimier and it's a bit cheap and you know, our, our uniforms aren't very good and blah, blah, blah. It seems to set itself up to be a certain type of film very early uh, and, and set very clear, familiar um, 
landmarks and flags about exactly what's going to happen. Um, despite that, I was really on board because I do enjoy those types of films. I do enjoy the sort of Varsity Blues, Friday Night Lights type things. Um, I love a good coming of age drama. I love a good American college sports movie. I love high school movies and stuff like that as well. So I was immediately on board from that. Also, it was one. It's one of those films where, and I, I don't know any other way of putting this, but it's one of those. It's one of those films that I've, that when I'm watching it, I want to live in it. Like I, I love the place where it's set. I love the the look of everything before it gets into winter. Anyway, a little bit later on in the film, you know, it's a very sort of. Um, it's a very sort of golden looking place, very sort of earthy colours. It's shot to look very small town, earthy colours, very beautiful, very quaint, very quiet, very, you know, um, wholesome. Um, so I was completely on board from, from, from the get-go because of that. Um, and then what happens with the film is it starts to get more um, complex Um not complex in terms of narrative, not complex in terms of what's happening to these characters on a basic level, just what, well, actually, no, it is, it's, it is what's happening to these characters, but it's what's happening to them on an emotional level and who they are and what's, what's unfolding about them. Um, there's, there's one kind of key scene um, in one room where a lot of the stuff that the film's hinting at starts to unfold and it's a, fucking really powerful scene where you've got um david morse's character gideon uh right up against sort of uh, ryan gosling's character roy uh, and and what has been hinted at so far starts to kind of starts to come out a little bit and it's it's like oh right fuck so that's this type of thing shit right okay so you, from there i think you think all right, well, now it's going to go down that route. It's going to be mm. about the creepy pedo kind of thing. And it's not. It doesn't even go down, it doesn't even go down that route. Um, I know why Mark likes this film. Um, it's very, very clear to me why Mark likes this film. It's probably the best example of a broken man film that you could want. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody in this is so fucking broken. Um, but they're broken in incredibly complex emotional ways. You've got Ryan Gosling's character, Roy, who's the young sort of um, spirited football player who's been given a second chance at, at, at playing the sport uh, through the character of Gideon, who's played by David Moss. So Ryan, Ryan, uh, sorry, Roy is, is very broken up about his dad. He has a very fractured relationship with his mum. You, you're always sort of... You can't quite figure out how much they, um, how big that fracture is in their relationship for a lot of it. He doesn't understand why his dad died. You know, there's, did he kill himself? Did he just, did he just uh, die through an accident and stuff like that? You've also got the fact that Roy feels really trapped in this small town because he doesn't want to inherit a farm. He, he, he needs something, but there's no outlets for him. There's no avenues for him. There's nothing for him apart from football. And even that doesn't seem to be too much of a, of a massive passion in his life. So he's, you know, he's a young lad who's coming of age, but there's no clear direction for him at all. Um, obviously the death of his father is, is a big sort of catalyst in the story. 
you find out that Roy's dad was a broken man and there's a, a line later on in the film uh, about, you know, the idea that, you know, maybe he was just trying to find his way back where he came from. Uh, but, you know, ultimately he, he killed himself. So he was obviously a very tortured soul. Um, there's the, the other main character is, is, is by far the most broken of all the broken men here. Um, David Morse's character, Gideon, he's just, what transpires about his character, as I say, it starts off that, all right, there's an insinuation that Gideon's character um, is a bit of a pervert, and he's thought of as a pervert in this, in this small town because he likes to sort of hang around with young boys and, and watch them train and stuff like that. Um, so when that, sort of, when that sort of comes out a little bit more, you would expect the film to then go down a different path and sort of, oh, all of a sudden he's the bad guy, he's the bad creepy guy, and he's he's a weirdo that sort of that's that's abusing his position in this way. But it kind of doesn't. It's you never feel, or I didn't feel, really against him because he's just this like intense ball of emotional pain and suffering himself, and it's. You know, he's broken up about the death of a kid, which he may or may not be responsible for. I think there's a certain ambiguity there. Yeah. I think I know what happened, but there is still an ambiguity there. Um, so he's broken up about the death of this kid. Um, he's got no physical outlook for his emotions. Um, he's got no emotional outlook for his emotions. He clearly doesn't understand his own emotions he clearly doesn't understand the, the reasons that he feels the way that he feels he's trapped in a world where showing that kind of emotion is just not a fucking option at all and there's a sense that you know it's not necessarily oh he just wants to go and feel up the little boys you know he wants to sort of go and fucking stare at them in the shower and stuff like that that is touched upon but there's just a there's a longing there's there's there's, there's this like longing in him that and I think it comes out in that um, in that scene that I'm talking about where it all sort of, you know, where they kind of face off and Ryan Gosling just says, look, is this fucking true about you or what? Are you, are you gay or like, what is this? And they sort of have a bit of a tussle and, and he grabs hold of him and he's just sort of holding him and hugging him and sort of mm-hmm. nuzzling him. And it's not really overtly sexual. It's emotional. It's, you know, he's not just the pervy old he's just not just the pervy old football guy he's trying to connect like and that there's the it sort of makes it really tragic uh, it's not creepy it's tragic like it's so yeah i mean there's just fucking there's so much going on with these characters even the um you know the, the side characters as well there's a lot of stuff beneath the surface with uh roy's mum uh, that's never fully explored, really. You get a sort of sense of uh, of what's going on in this relationship that she's found herself in, but you never get too deep into that. It's just just it's suggested. Um, the character of Two Dogs, who's his his friend, you, you, there's a sense that he's you know not only there's the more obvious thing he's got a very difficult home life and his his stepdad is obviously a massive prick, but there's also that sort of not throwaway scene, but there's just a, 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 an interaction where they play a game that's out of town, um, and there's some um, there's some um, Native American. He is Native American, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he is. is yeah. Right? 
um, there's some sort of Native American uh, kids there, and they sort of say to him, you know, you should stay here and sort of find find yourself a little bit. And there's a there's a suggestion that he he, he sort of lost his spiritual identity a little bit because of his home life. So there's just there's so much going on beneath the surface. Um, these incredibly complex characters and these incredibly complex set of emotions that they're all fucking fighting with. Um, and it's just, it's always there beneath the surface. You've got, you know, there's, 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 there's a very clear narrative and there's very clear drama, but there's just this constant sense of like volatility, that like something's going to go off or something's going to pop its head out above the surface and, and everything's going to go mental. Um, I fucking, I loved it. And I, even now I'm thinking about it more. I like it even more. It's, it's fucking great. Really, really, really good. Good, good. Uh, Ian, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I mean, fair, fair play, no, that's great. Um, I didn't like it as much. Um, I, 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 I mean, I was a little surprised at the, the it, it kind of its lack of focus, I suppose, but... I don't know. I wasn't really. I, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I, I didn't read anything about it. I just knew Ryan Gosling and Claire Duvall were in it. So, um, yeah, I, it, the their relationship, I kind of thought didn't add an awful lot apart from just further emphasising that he's broken. I mean, it, it very much remind uh, reminded me of um, Fat City, the uh, uh, Jeff Bridges film and who uh, Stacy Keach I think it is yeah uh, uh, from from like the 70s John Huston film which uh, uh, it kind of has a similar like young man kind of you know kind of thinking he's hot shit and having to kind of understand that he's not and that there, there, there is stuff wrong with him um, I mean, David Morse having him in a lead role is great I mean it's, it's a rare treat and he fucking aces it I mean like Noel was saying that scene with Gosling where it does look like it's going to take a turn towards the pedo but doesn't um, is fantastic like you'd imagine if there was like an Oscar nomination the clip would be coming from that scene Um, yeah yeah, no for sure Um, but yeah I mean just like the stuff with the football all it kind of almost felt incidental so did clear deval so i suppose i had some problems with it there but uh overall yeah i i i liked it um I, i'm certainly not pissed off that i watched it um but to be honest i don't have near anything nearly as interesting to say as what you just said there Noel. frankly <laughs> uh, it's I, I obviously i've taken a lot from it but i think Ultimately, the the fact that these characters are dealing with what they're dealing with and having to butt up against each other in that way, um, but at the centre of it, you've got Roy and Gideon, and by the end of the film, they haven't left each other. You know, Roy never leaves Gideon. Roy doesn't leave Gideon behind, um, and yet at the same time, by the end of the film. Gideon has still hasn't really fully revealed himself. He still hasn't thrown his hand in because you, you know, is that because he's hiding something? Well, no, I think it's because he doesn't fucking know himself. Like it's, you know, I don't think he fully understands what's going on himself. 
Um, so yeah, there's just, it just felt like there was a lot of a, a, an emotionally a lot to chew on. Um, I think aesthetically it was great as well. I love country music in film and TV. Um, it, it, it sets things right. Um, the, the, I agree with you on the uh, the clear Duval thing. It was a little bit okay. Well, what was the purpose of that relationship then, apart from to add more misery to to the situation? Like you know, uh. you know, he's trying to he's trying to understand women, uh, and he clearly doesn't understand women. I guess I, I guess that's what they were going for. But it isn't a fully. There isn't a fully developed idea, I don't think. I think the one thing that it, that I did take from that is I like the idea that I like the idea that he that there's a love story there in the middle of it, and actually that love story doesn't amount to anything because yeah. it's a very real sort of idea. That's just like, well, she literally says at one where she's just like, well, it just it didn't feel like anything, so there is no magic here. Like this is not working for me. So I think I'm just going to go. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a realistic approach to that. And it, it would have been a lot worse. I think if, you know, I think you can criticize it for not fully developing that relationship. Definitely. But at the same time, I think the fact that it doesn't resolve the relationship is probably a good thing because it gives it that realistic idea of, you know what? Sometimes things just don't, you're right and you don't you don't continue a relationship um so yeah i, I really liked it it's um in terms of recommendation i would definitely recommend it it's i would recommend it to women because it's uh it's a really good example it's a it's a it's a real sort of glimpse into what it is to be a young man growing up with like an out with outdated perceptions of what men are supposed to be um and the fact that you know male role models can let you down and that's because male role male role models are supposed to be a certain thing and you know what us men all of us we've probably not figured out everything ourselves so male role models are going to let you down because we're all just fucking humans trying to figure it out so um yeah so I'm listening to myself now. It sounds like I've had some sort of fucking emotional breakdown watching this film. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> loved it. I, I, so, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you, you enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm glad that, as well, uh, Ian, that, that you liked it. I'm, I just think it's, it's a film that, that like I say, uh, it, it, it seems like it, it should have been seen by more people, but it, it's just... It's one where I'm surprised it's never really found its its place because of the because of the cast and it seems a little bit. It seems like that happens a lot with David Moore's films. I think you go through quite a few and say, why isn't why isn't that found its fucking place? You know, he's been in so much, but he's been in so many, you know, great, genuinely great movies. I mean, The Indian Runner is is fantastic. The um, Sean Penn's directorial debut, uh, and also I'm thinking The Crossing Guard, the next. Sean Penn movie. He plays a lead in both of those, and he's, he's they're both fantastic movies. Uh, and I also think he did one. Did he do one with Edward Norton in the mid? No, he did. Yeah, down in the valley. Has anybody, uh, guys yeah. ever seen that? Uh, that's the one where like Ed Norton's like a cowboy, cowboy. Sort of, yeah. uh, modern sort yeah. of. Yeah. 
Yeah, I believe I saw it. I can't remember at all. Yeah, it, it's obvious. It's like uh, you were saying, it's nice seeing David Marston in a, in a lead role. Uh, I've just actually checked. Uh, the Ryan Gosling film, The Believer, isn't actually on iTunes. So it wouldn't qualify for uh, Pay It Forward. So I can sort of say to you both, I'd recommend tracking that down because it's a uh, it's a really good watch and it kind of shows how, you know, that from his first proper film role, that Ryan Gosling was destined to become the Ryan Gosling that he is now. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, definitely recommend for me, uh, Mark. Obviously, you recommended it. Ian, would you recommend it with sort of some provisios or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely worth a watch. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like you were very, very effusive, so I suppose I'm, I'm just uh, I'm I'm sl- I'm a bit below that. That's all. But yeah, no, definitely worth a watch. Excellent. I'd say that was three wins then, really, wouldn't it? That's, yeah, that's yeah, good. Man. That's good. That's very good. Um, okay, so um, that was our three recommendations: the slaughter rule, me, Earl, and the dying girl. And um, my mind's gone blank. What else did we just do? <laughs> Tony. Yeah, that was my recommendation. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, start them again if you can. You know what? I've been looking at iTunes this evening for my Netflix part, and a surprising number of films are not available on iTunes, I have found. Uh, <laughs> when you're picking for this type of thing, yeah, it can yeah, be a little bit. Really annoying. But, um, yeah, anyway... Um, so that was our three recommendations. We will be back probably in uh, a month-ish um, with more of the same. Um, I will be picking for Mark next time. Mark will be picking for Ian and Ian for I. Ian has already kindly sent over his uh, his choice. Um, I've got a few shortlisted here that I'll run by Mark to find out what he's seen and what he's not seen. Um, and we will pick it up from there. I've also decided uh, Ian's as well. Okay. I, All right. I, I think if you've got a short list there, Noel, I think you should bang through it and the first one that Mark says he hasn't seen is what you do. All right, okay. I'm a bit worried he's not. He's seen them all, though. <laughs> right. Uh, this one has got Mark written all over it if he hasn't seen it. Uh, that awkward moment. That awkward moment. Oh, is that the is that the Zac Efron one? Zac no? Efron, Michael B. Jordan, and... Of yeah, course seen he's seen that. I thought he would have. Um, the Gambler. The Warburg. The uh, Warburg Mac, one. Mac. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've seen, seen that. that. Wildcard. Statham. Yep, seen Wildcard. Uh, the Principal. Ooh. Yeah, 1987, The Principal with uh, John Belushi as, uh, as, a princi- as a... It's kind of a, a criminal minds kind of deal. Nope, not seen it. Really. Sounds brilliant. That's what it'll be. Then. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, a bit yeah, a bit different to the ones I was suggesting. There, but, um, all right, so we will do that. I will be um, returning to the Dude and the Monkey podcast uh, later this week, probably um, yeah. for their Logan show, which uh, will be dropping in your ears. Um, I don't know. Weekend is that when you usually put stuff up? Uh, well, I suppose it depends on when um, when we record. Yeah, well, just fucking we'll keep your head out. people, you know. Um, 
So that was Ian, that. Ian, what have you chose for? Oh, for no. Oh, are we gonna yeah. are we gonna just say what the films are then? May as well, eh? Yeah. All right, we might as well because then yeah. Watch them if they want, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna do the Greasy Strangler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah, wait. which is giving I me an excuse wait. to watch it. I cannot wait to see what you two think of it. It's yeah. quite something. <laughs> I'm gonna need to watch this in the right frame of mind. I think. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Ian, I am sending you uh, one that I think is going to be a good one. I think cause I, I'm, I'm almost certain that Noel will have said that I know Noel's seen this and he, he will have rented it probably a couple of times. Uh, and I'm uh, a huge fan of it. I'm sending you Deep Cover. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I've had this on a list to watch for the longest time. Yeah, Excellent. all over it. Oh, it's been yeah. a long time since I saw that. Actually, that's that's going to be a good rewatch. Yeah, deep cover, a a, a VHS rental favorite. Yeah, fucking great soundtrack as well, man. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and also it, it's it's directed by Bill Duke. Oh shit, is it? Yeah, directed by fucking Bill, Bill Duke. Fucking hell, didn't know that. Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah, the film, he, the film he directed. I'm I'm pretty sure. Don't, don't quote me this. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was the film he made before he made uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> it, was so, the, yeah. it was the film that propelled him to Sister Act 2, Back, two, in, the back in the Hobbit. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which, which sounds insane, um, because, but that was actually probably quite a sweet gig, because Sister Act 2 was a huge film. Brilliant. Oh, that's cracking. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Some Bill Duke action on the next show, then. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's I guess that's everything. Then is it isn't it, guys? Anything else to say? No. Nope, no. No. Yeah. Right. Well, um, that's it from us all. Then we'll see you. We'll speak to you very soon on uh, Dude and a Monkey podcast when it returns uh, to normal service. And uh, good night and uh, enjoy the fucking Oscars. Yay.